Got you fuckers at a bad time. I'm not the shark. Piece of shit. I'm not a fish. Woo! I'm not an avalanche. Come forth. I'm a man. Oh, princess of doctors. What's the difference if Bruce Springsteen is a Satoshi? Your Puritan upbringing holds you back from my monsters, but certainly doesn't hurt your art of kissing. Welcome to the podcast about life, love, and all the gimmicks. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. Hello, listeners of all the gimmicks. Yes, you hear that? I'm in my car. This is something I haven't done for quite some time. I used to do this for the 31 Days of Horror Challenge uh, last year for some unknown reason. Every single day of that month in October 2017, I would watch a movie and then do a podcast about it. And most of the time, because I did a lot of commuting... I would talk in my car. Inspiration came from Mr. Andrew Shearer, who's a good friend of uh, not only the group, but of uh, my old podcast, Astro Radio Z. He does this all the time. Uh, And today, I have something different for you guys. Uh, I had talked this over with Seth, and uh, all the gimmicks as a brand, as an overall thing. Oh, God, I can't believe I just said brand. That's just disgusting. Um, is kind of a catch-all. The whole point of it is all the gimmicks. We can do whatever the fuck we want. It's kind of the fun of this thing. Uh, The main show is Seth and I, and will always be Seth and I until uh, one of us keels over or uh, one of us gets butt hurt so bad about something, which I doubt that will ever happen, uh, to the point where we don't want to do it anymore with each other. So I have something a little different today for you guys and gals, listeners of all the gimmicks. This isn't your normal Derek and Seth rant hour the way it usually is. Longtime friend, Frank Anderson, who is, if you guys are part of 31 Days of Horror Group, you will recognize that name because he would pop in every now and then and uh, talk about some really cool movies and stuff like that. I've known him for quite some time. Used to live down the street from him in Appleton, Wisconsin. He's a stop-motion animator, a musician, a podcaster, a filmmaker. Uh, He's an all-around renaissance man. He's also an author. Uh, Guy is just an insane (laughs) talent. And every time I get together with the guy, we end up hanging out for hours, talking about everything under the sun, and he had heard the last episode of all the gimmicks where we did the roundup of the 31 Days of Horror, and he got a hold of me. He's like, you need to come by my my office, because now I have this office in this old monastery that has basically been taken over by artists, and we have studios here, and the backstory is that this place is haunted. You need to come by, and let's take a tour of it. And uh, while it's totally not what the normal All the Gimmicks podcast is about, I talked with Seth about it, and Seth's like, oh yeah, I want to hear about this. (laughs) So, last night, I went to hang out with Frank at his new studio at this monastery, and what you're going to listen to today is Frank and I walking around this monastery. That's the first part of the episode. Then we sit down in his studio... Which, uh, I don't know if I can accurately describe it, but you sit down and 
obviously he's a film editor and a video editor, so he has computer gear, but he also has this huge table with a bunch of paper mache trees and little dolly track and uh, an animation table and all this. He has all the old school stuff for creating really cool stop motion animation. And he's got uh, skulls all around the walls, paintings of weird monsters and stuff. Because if you don't, if you haven't listened to his amazing podcast, Wisconsinology, um, he is w- really into the strange, supernatural, and uh, just oddball shit that has gone on here in Wisconsin, or the legends, I should say, of Wisconsin. So he's just, uh, he's surrounded by it in this studio. And uh, the studio's overwhelming to look at, but Frank will walk you through it. And he'll tell you stories about every last goddamn thing in it. So we sat down in his studio and shot the shit for probably a couple hours, two or three hours. (laughs) So uh, sit back. This isn't going to be your normal episode. It's going to be meandery. It's going to be all over the place. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy listening to Frank talk about some really crazy shit and take you down some really strange and interesting paths. So I hope you guys enjoy this, and we'll see you next time. This old rig that I'm driving ain't the sharpest on the road. These old bulls that I'm hauling ain't perfume. But if it wasn't for a lot of those truck drivers just like me, then who would bring those T-bone steaks to you? Where the bull shippers, big bull shippers, are hauling them old bulls across the land. Where the bull shippers, big bull shippers, bull shipping truck driving men. This ain't the best job in the Ed Gein's a serial grave robber, an artist, a deviant artist, but an artist, and a man who inspired entire genres across the board. He changed pop culture in 1960 through Psycho. But Ed Gein's a guy you wonder about and wonder about and wonder about because he's just so damn weird. Right. How many, how many, you know, H.H. Holmes, oh, wonderful, he built a little incineration (laughs) apartment. How how adorable. Yeah, how adorable. (laughs) And body count, body count, body count. Ed Gein was only convicted of one death. One, he's a serial convicted. Convicted, but there were three, I believe, right? There probably was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There might be four. But that, he's not, that's not his thing. His thing is serial grave robber and the deep need to inhabit his mother's body, thus recreating piece by piece from many, many middle-aged women. A suit. A body suit. Yeah. And dance in the moonlight he did. He did. Which is the craziest... It's extraordinary. Across this globe, he stands apart from all that mundane body count shit. And that goes for Dahmer, too. Although he's kind of interesting because he's a serial cannibal. But he also had the same predilection for... He he was wanting a collection... He wanted something that would stay with him. Right, and they were in his refrigerator. Right, 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 right. But when you compare Ed's collection to his collection, I mean, the guy's clearly an imitator. And and he's come (laughs) 
to the turf, <laughs> the home turf of horror, you, to try and claim his title. So, so you're you're positing the angle is D- Dahmer really was a secret Ed Gein mark, and he wanted yes. <laughs> He's from Ohio, you know. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. He's an outsider. Strike one. Well, Frank, I don't know if you know this. I'm an outsider, too. I'm not a a Wisconsin. Yeah, but you're not a serial killer. (laughs) Well, this is true. Or a deviant. Well, not that you know of. Uh, You're not a horrible... No, you're... (laughs) You're you're one of the nicest guys I know. (laughs) Well, so here we are. All right. Here we are. Tell the people where we are. All right. Well, you better tell the people where we are, because I don't know the history behind this place, Frank. What is this? <clears throat> I have to clear my throat. We, well, we are at a monastery retreat built by the Capuchin Brothers here in Appleton, Wisconsin, in 1936. The Capuchin Brothers, there's still a few of them in a uh, building out here, just out in the field where you drove by. Because mm-hmm. uh, the, there's a huge a cemetery right outside of this there's place. There's two cemeteries. Yeah. And they're quite extraordinary, and they have their own story, one of which I'm going to lead to, one story, because one of the inhabitants of this place was not an exorcist. It was the, the exorcist. exorcist. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which, so, you covered that on your podcast, didn't you? Well, that was one of your first episodes, yep. I believe. <laughs> I think that's the one everyone listened to. That's... That's my big number getter. Yeah. yeah so, the so what happened to your podcast? Are you oh, still trying to do that? Hard or? To, I'm busy. It's hard to do. Yeah. You understand? Well, because your podcast is more of a you, like a research documentary kind of thing where you're trying to tell the stories of yes, these different yes. things. At Wisconsinology.com. <laughs> hard chill. Let's do hard chill. Make sure there's hard chills. But here we are. Okay, we're in the basement. And this is the newer section of the building built in 1962. So it's got that Vatican II Lutheran kind of feel, not Catholic, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want the evil over old world looming doom of old world Catholicism. And we're about to enter that. It's also a very calming place, but let's go. Follow me. <laughs> it's oh, a very calming place with a lot of evil and doom. <laughs> let's go through the industrial kitchen first. So a quick explanation of what this place has become. It's no longer a monastery. It's a retreat for artists, and many of the artists who come here are uh, musicians from Los Angeles, Austin, New York, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's a place where they can have a break. And so a few authors have been by, and one was a horror author. I wish I remembered her name. Mm-hmm. Um, we chatted quite a bit about everything around, within, within, within 30 miles of this place. Right. Which is an extraordinary history. And actually, you know, I posit that Wisconsin is the home of horror. It's the absolute kingpin of states with horror. And that begins... Just here in the United States, you're not saying... No, no, I'm saying worldwide. Okay. I'm talking big here. All right, pitch pitch, pitch me on this here. Well, number one, in North America, we have the most effigy mounds, burial mounds. We are the burial mound center of North America. No one comes close. Well, it's mostly native culture that was there, the way that they honor... Well... The effigy mounds, ancient native culture, Mm -hmm. Um, and we have the only effigy mound. By the way, they all have horns, and that has upset people. (laughs) 
I mean, can you imagine you're a good Lutheran, you've come, or Catholic, whatever, you've come here, and there's this big damn thing, this figure in your backyard with horns? Uh, it, well, they plowed over most of them. There were well over 30,000 at one time. But we're also the pictograph capital of North America. Mm -hmm. Rock pictures. Right, right. And rock carvings. So it all fits inside our border. If you look at our border and you place graves, effigy mounds, pictographs, and their density, just like bars, they make an outline of the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> so what, what is the significance of Wisconsin as opposed Because this obviously wasn't the most heavily populated native ah, state. Yeah, it, it, but it was a religious center. And why do you think that is? Like why? Well, they, it, around, it centered around these effigy mounds, which we have so many of. And there were, there were ceremonies there. You go to, um, uh, Illinois has Cahokia, the great ancient city. We have its northern outpost, Aztalan, and that was a place of human sacrifice. The fertility gods, hmm. and, and all completely tuned into the sky and the cycles of the season. But we had that, but we had more than that before. I'm talking BC now, before. And they, successive generations of ancient tribes built mounds, and right here, we have a landmark called Butamore. Derek knows Butamore. What yeah. does it mean? Lake of Death. Hill, Hill, of, the Hill, Hill, of, Hill of the Dead. Hill yeah, of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive, massive mound created by subsequent generations of many burials. Right, right, Huge. right. Huge. Ours was leveled. The bones were crushed and turned into railroad bed. So the road leading into Menasha, that, that genteel bicycle path where families can enjoy themselves, <laughs> is laying on top of thousands of human bones. And I don't point that out to any moms who happen to be there because, you know, they're frightened of everything. <laughs> I mean, Halloween would be approaching and they're falling for every razor blade and apple, you know, uh, story well, out there. You, you definitely need to go out there with a, with a sign. <laughs> During walking. high, like the summer, the height of summertime when everyone's walking. You're walking on layers of the dead <laughs> and only on the path. That's the funny part. <laughs> Oh, oh my here we are. Gosh. Oh, 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 we're in the old part. Okay. This is the basement. And <clears throat> how, now, how much is it, of this has changed over the years? I mean, nothing has. That's new where we were just were. But this, is, this has is stayed the same since when? 1936. This is all the same. So uh, that's a, a studio, recording studio in there. We're going up the stairs. We're leaving the basement. <laughs> I've left this building at 3 a.m. so many times because uh, uh, our listeners may not know I'm a stop-motion animator mostly these days. And upstairs oh, we go. Check this out. Yeah, check this out. So we're at the main level. This is old school. Look at this. You have to do the line I cued. <laughs> what is this from The Shining? No, 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 no. Come on, Derek. Dude, this looks like The Shining. Dude, this looks like The Shining. I'm glad you said that. Huh. <laughs> so, room, 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 room. It does. These are all uh, bedrooms, by the way. And 
what has changed is a lot of bathrooms have been built here. <laughs> I guess I guess when you're possessed, you have to piss a lot. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on a second. Check out these little tiny rooms. Yeah, that's where the. Uh... Oh. What a trip. Well, describe it. It's very claustrophobic in here. It's very tight. Yeah, yeah. And it just feels like it. It feels like the kind of room where you would go into. If uh, you were in a padded cell, like you needed to be locked away for a little while. That's right. And some of the rooms are spectacular with built-in bathroom, beautiful 1936 Sure, sure, sure. Turret rooms are called, and a turret room happens to be the most haunted room here. I've not, I'm, a, I'm a famous napper, and I look for any open bed to nap in. <laughs> so you specifically go to the haunted rooms? Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to sleep. I can't. I, but, I cannot. but Frank, ever since I've known you, you've always been a person that's been very leery of, like, you you respect the spirituality and like the, <laughs> the evilness of certain things, but for some reason you feel the need to like push yourself towards that. What is that about? I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. And then let's go to the chapel. You know what the great rule, what my favorite rule of horror, there's no rules. Right. But my favorite rule is um, no one gets out alive. Well, that's the way it should be. I, well, I know. But some people do the other way well. You know, the happy ending thing. Where, but we know it really isn't. That's no fun. Yeah, yeah, it's no fun. That's no fun. And M.R. James established that rule, the great ghost story writer from England, the man who brought back Christmas ghost stories in England with his wonderful, horrid, frightening tales, short stories. Look him up. Um, we are now entering, this is the bell. The bell tower is right above us. And is it is still functioning? Absolutely. Does it, does it still go off? Of course. So who runs that? Does it run on its own? No, or? no, no, no. It's just there's a rope. There's a rope. It's right there. And somebody just goes yeah, up there. Anybody can go ding, ding, ding anytime they want. This is the chapel. So here we are. This is a wonderful space. The chapel. It's a wonderful space. Um, they used to have choir practice here, et cetera, et cetera. The brothers did their thing. I found Father Theophilus, the exorcist, I, I, he found me here. A book literally fell in my lap while I was seated in the library at that room there at the end of the hall. Okay. And, and it opened to a page, and it's kind of ridiculous, but it said in his own handwriting, Father Theophilus Riesinger. Um, and I went, huh, I've heard of him. And you decided to lo look that up? And yeah, I looked it up, and, and uh, lo and behold, it's very, it's almost ridiculous. All this horror is ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what makes it work so well. Right. Bottom line, my Ed Gein thing is ridiculous. It's stupid, but it's great. Why do you say it's stupid? Because I laugh all the time. <laughs> what, what makes you laugh about Ed Gein? Because he's, it's just... You, is it the disconnect? The, well, there's a big disconnect. Number two, number biggest reason of all, who could think of that? I think that's his enduring quality is no one could think of that. No novelist. They all have to go to Ed to get their ideas. The author of uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. He needs an inspiration. Ed, 
Countless movies need their inspiration. Ed, Texas Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Toby yeah. Hooper, his cousins were from Wisconsin. So and, that was And the they end. would come okay. and visit him and tell him all about Ed Dean. Of course, they'd tell him stuff they made up. <laughs> but uh, Toby Hooper said, when he read and found the real story, it was far beyond anything his cousins could invent. It's, a, it's insane. I remember when I was younger reading Deviant. Deviant, great book. Yeah, which to me was one of the most haunting things I had ever read in my entire life. Just the what a broken individual he was, and yes, and yes, by by a very cruel Lutheran mother uh, from a sect of Lutherans who were more harsh than the normal mm-hmm. at that time. At that time, and now they're just wishy-washy. Just they're like wallpaper. But back then, they meant it. And back then, she only read Ed, the Old Testament. And you and I know that's the greatest horror story ever <laughs> written. We know that. Yeah, if you want absolutely. To make a, if you want to make a great horror film, make something called the Old Testament. It is the most frightening thing I've ever read in my life. I've never read anything more full of hate, vengeance, weird tales. Yeah. It's just rife with weird tales. A lost race of giants? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, um, um, every possible crime, horrific crime you yeah. can think of. And a lot of them vindicated by this old world God yep. who's just this crying little wanting baby. Needy just needs attention thing. all the time. Don't believe in me? I'm going to torture you. Yep, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, and then kill your whole family. Yep. Between between that and the fact that he was he's secretly this this person that loves shitty pulp novels yeah. and, 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 and the conflict within him was he's reading all these lurid tales and his budding sexuality and how repressed he was and how they just snapped him in half. And then all of a sudden in the Gospels, they replace him. It's another God entirely. Yep. A silent, kind of a silent uh, member. It's, 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 anyway, it's horrific. But through here, we're going to go upstairs. All right, and then, and then you have to say the line again, because I, I just love that line. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, when you get used to Ed Wood's writing style? Yeah. It's, it's right there. Well, he, he, he had a wonderful person to deliver those lines, with, who unfortunately didn't live on with him. Uh, as long as he, uh, unfortunately, lived for <laughs> Criswell. Oh, Criswell. Man, I could have I watched 50 movies of Criswell. Why didn't Criswell have a great career? Who I, knows? Well, he did. He, he had a wonderful career being the man who told us about the future. Right. Up until about 1966. Then, so, that was it. Yeah. Now we're upstairs. That's my accordion. <laughs> Look both ways. Wow. That's being redone, but that's the same exact same thing as that. Yeah. We're down an immense, immense hallway. You gotta describe this stuff for your listeners. <laughs> you're, well you're taking everyone on a tour. Well, I'm terrible at this kind of thing. If you I mean you've listened to my podcast, it's mostly mostly me complaining about shit. Oh, it's you and uh, what's his face? And complaining Seth about complaining about shit. This is this is interesting. Now this is how broken Why down is this is. It's a wonderful. in the middle of the floor. This is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the fact that this is totally undone. Well, let me describe it for your uh, uh, listening audience. You're much better at this than I am. Friend. There are about 400 rooms here. 
And um, some are, as you described, claustrophobic and tiny, but some are, well, this one's claustrophobic. Let's go down here. <laughs> no power in that no, one. <laughs> we are in the dark wing over there. Well, well what strikes me immediately about this place is, is that it, it kind of feels like an underground bunker. But we're definitely not underground. Like, these hallways look like something that would be underground you'd be walking right. through. We're on the second floor of a vast building with a cross on top of it and a bell tower. And we're on the banks of the Fox River. And we are surrounded by farm fields and one of the largest cemeteries in the whole Northeast area here in Wisconsin, where Father Theo is buried. Right outside. Yeah. And by the way, the other exorcist is also buried in Wisconsin, the one who was, took part in the St. Louis uh, exorcism, the Georgetown, sorry, Georgetown exorcism, the two bases of the book and movie, The Exorcist, are buried here. Jeez Louise. So this is a larger room. So this is the penthouse suite. Yeah, I think I'm going to be staying here for a couple of nights. Um, wow. This is a turret room. Oh, so, this is a great room. This is a great room. Sun rises over there, sun sets over there. It's just solid sunshine. This is an updated bathroom, not a 1936 bathroom. Oh, I was getting back to Father Theophilus. So... So he's in Appleton here, serving St. Joseph's Parish, which mm -hmm. this is a part of, was a part of. So a newspaper article I read, Father Theo talks about his most recent exorcism in Appleton. And he, it's like he's giving, you know, a talk at the uh, uh, Rotary Club. And Basilbub, Basilbub, Satan's <laughs> lieutenant, appeared for two straight nights is he an entertainer? He appeared in Appleton for two straight nights yeah. in 1924. Just to hang out. And he's just saying that. Yeah. And the reporter's reporting everything. And, you know, what did they have for dinner? That's what I want to know. They, they didn't report that. They always had that uh, a fine dinner of fried chicken was served and meat, <laughs> meatloaf, potatoes, etc. The wonderful hard details. Yeah. Hard news. And people in the audience request of Father Theo that I'd like to go with you on one of these exorcisms. And being that he did 35, I believe, the Vatican told him to stop it, literally. Why, did they, they feel it was just kind of doing a horse and pony show where he was just kind of... Well, we don't know, because he, he's so damn serious and legitimate in every way. He's got the look. He looks like an exorcist. He acts like one. Yeah. He's out there in the field conducting the greatest exorcism in American history. It took place in Iowa. He left Appleton. The victim was from uh, Marathon, Wisconsin. She went down to Iowa. They wanted to be secluded. And that Marathon session produced all the visual details of the exorcist. All the vomit stuff, all the heads, you know, spinning, the body lifting and attaching mm -hmm. itself. Oh, every exorcist cliche you can think of is in that exorcism. They're all there. And, you know, it's interesting to me. You and I see a movie like oh, The Ring. Mm -hmm. The Ring. And all of a sudden, everybody's true ghost story or whatever reenactment looks like The Ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from Father Theo's time, every exorcism description, they're suddenly vomiting. <laughs> uh, there's no mention of that before that and in his, his exorcisms, but right then, well, this demon is, likes to vomit, and it's deadly accurate. He's a showman, man. He's, He's got to yeah, kick that up. 
<laughs> Holy cow. This place. This is, um, this is original. You're looking at original, left and right. The floor is as it was, concrete, and room, 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 endless, endless lines of rooms. Again, one of the claustrophobic ones. And then there's a communal shower. So these are the rooms that when artists decide to come and hang out, this is where they stay? Um, these are rooms that will, perhaps a year from now, be ready to be put in that position. Uh, most of the rooms where artists stay are at the ends of the building, the center of the building, and downstairs. Oh, so, so uh, most of the new stuff that's been... Redone. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so the owner, who owns this place? Is it a communal thing, or is it no, it's not like a benefactor it, that just kind of says... It's a non-profit organization. And... Um, makes it wonderful whiskey in Ireland. J Jameson, Jameson is yeah. his sponsor. And Jameson's music, they have a, a lifestyle section. Sure. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sponsor bands. Well, those bands come here. And they record music videos here. Why this place? That's what I don't, I, I, like, I'm trying to wrap well, my head around. Like, well, what is it about this place? That... It's, it's unbelievable. I've been here now three years. And it's unbelievable. I, there's a feeling here. And Recently, a, a singer-songwriter came from Austin. Actually, we're standing in the spot where the, uh, the three o'clock ghost appears. Oh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> he stayed in this room, in here. And at three o'clock, footsteps start at the end of that hall and come all the way down and go down the stairs there. The so now, have you heard this? Yes. Yes. Over, okay. over my head. I was in the hallway down below. It's distinct footsteps. It's click, click. It's old shoes. Okay. Leather shoes, a gentleman's shoes from the 1930s or something. So you hear that. He could not get to sleep in there because he'd finish up around 2 o'clock and he'd be awake. All of a sudden, click, 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 click. Somebody told him, that's the ghost. And he said, oh, oh, really? Well, I'm up at night. I'm going to catch it. So the third night that he heard click, 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 he stood right behind that door. He's going to get it, right? Yeah. He's going to just open it the second those... It came close. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. As he's about to grab the handle, the door handle, the footsteps come to a dead stop in front of this door. What would you do? <laughs> Poop myself? Well, <laughs> he did something close to that. But, but he also pulled the door open. Yeah, and? Nothing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Nothing. Nothing. Now, me thinking the way I do, I'm thinking, you opened the door? <sighs> to me, you open the door, something comes in, right? Right, right, yeah, right, 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 right. Or you're welcoming something. You're welcoming. Yeah, yeah, never. Never do that. That's a horror rule. Well. Can I come in? No. I have, uh, you know, whenever you bring up something like that, everybody's got their, like you were saying, everyone's got their yeah, own story of, they do. of the supernatural, whatnot. I've suffered from sleep paralysis for the last, like, 10 or so years. Oh, do you scream? No, no. But I, I have the, oh, the I nights that. where yeah, yeah. there's the shadow people and, and things that I... Yeah, do they, do they come out of closets or window areas? It's, it's different every time. Yeah. Like, I've only had in the last, in the last year since I moved to Kakana, I've only had one time it happen. It's mostly stress-induced. Yeah. But the, the time I had it happen um, 
in Kakana was totally different than any other experience I'd ever had. Cause it was mostly traditional. Like I'd wake up thinking I was in bed. This is when I was married and I was living down the street from you. And I woke up and I couldn't move, but I could see somebody standing in the corner that would walk up to me and then speak gibberish into my ear or something, just weird stuff like that. And it would happen, but this last time I was sleeping on my side and all of a sudden I felt hands patting the back of my bed. And then all of a sudden, like, it felt like 10 people were on my bed hammering on it. And then eventually once, because I could recognize what's going on because I can't move and it's hard to breathe and whatever. Um, Once I woke up out of that, I was just like, I had to walk around the house. I had to turn on all the lights. I I knew what it was. So a situation like this. Well, I didn't know what it was. I had it when I was a kid in the Philippines. I didn't know what it was for the first year I had it. I was a boy. It was always an old hag, three foot tall. Crawl up to my chest and sit, sit on it, right? The chest, the mm-hmm. chest. There's that famous painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's well, how I, I found out about it. Yeah, and it, it used to be in in the olden days in every encyclopedia, and and that's how I found out about it. But it was so alarmingly real to me as well. Yeah, and we lived so far away from initially from uh, major cities. We were as far south as you could get, almost in Borneo. And it was frightening. Yeah. Well, that's how it was for me, too. Is like, I don't know how I went for so long not knowing what it was. I thought it was just I was having really awful dreams. And then I saw, funny enough, a, a meme on Facebook about it. Imagine that. That somebody posted. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I read about it. And then when I read about it, immediately my, my, my logic center kicks in. Is like... Okay, what do I do to stop having this happen to me? <laughs> obviously, it's just like because I'm not I'm not so, a religious person whatsoever. So did, did you see the horror documentary? I tr- of sleep paralysis. I it took What's me it called? the nightmare. The nightmare. It took me two years. Oh wow! Because that was how powerful that had that had a hold over me. And you know me, I I'm atheist, and I don't really believe in paranormal. Anything, but this was changing things in me. <laughs> this was changing things in me in that documentary. Even though I end up finally watching most of it, it was eh, it is what it is. So I couldn't bring myself to watch it. It was just too so real. So, based on your case, can I can I do some pseudoscience here? Yeah, go right ahead. So, all the cool shadow people live in Appleton. They wouldn't get caught out there in Kakana. <laughs> That's what happened. So, so then, what are the people hammering on the back of my bed? <laughs> Who the fuck are those guys? Well, they're obviously... Well, you know, Kakana is, is, uh, was a former native uh, settlement. Mm-hmm. And a large part of this valley is built, on, built over incredible uh, effigy mounds and burial structures. Right. Here's how you get rid of it. You just go out there and sprinkle some tobacco. All over my yard or around yeah, my house? around your house. Just sprinkle, you're, you're, it's a courtesy. Um, I know this sounds ridiculous, and I laugh at it all the time, but a friend of mine who lives in Indian Mound Central, which yeah. is Sheboygan uh, Marsh area. Yeah. Huge. Oh, that is spectacular. Man. I lived out there the last couple of years before I moved back here. That's where I was living. They have followed you. <laughs> well, it started here in Appleton. <laughs> well, I got that from a guy who owns a property of one of the Wisconsin's most famous Burial mounds and a huge egg-shaped 
So a hill grove grew over this egg-shaped mm-hmm. chamber, a massive sure. chamber. So it's undiscovered. In 18, I believe, 80, a farmer named Jacob Henschel was plowing. His horse punched a hoof through the top of the chamber. Um, he got the horse out, and then he got his sons some rope and a torch. They enlarged the hole, and they, they found that, you know, you could shout down there, and it was large and empty. And they, the boys lowered their father down slowly, foot by foot. And as he went down, his torch illuminated his descent. So he saw walls, walls, and then all of a sudden, he's in the middle of a circle of seated skeletons with clothing. They're red, each one of them. This, it's, it's a red ochre burial. So this was, this was a clay-made mound right. that had been, mm-hmm. basically the earth had been just covered it over right. at some point. So vast empty chamber and a circle of seated figures, the dead. But they were important. And they're all red. Red ochre burial, look it up. It's a fascinating era in ancient history. And we had a lot of that here. Mm. So Jacob Henschel finds that. Isn't that extraordinary? And what, and what did they do? The Milwaukee Public Museum has the remains. And because to dig into these things is against everything in Native American well, Of course, culture. of course. And Bad things are going to happen. Oh, you better not. Yeah. The Milwaukee Museum showed the Pearl Princess which was a burial near Aztalan. The Pearl Princess was buried in tons of pearl shells, tons. And these shells were from the Yucatan in uh, Mexico, but they found their way up the Mississippi River. Yeah. And easily, because what is Wisconsin? Nothing but water, water and connected water. And the burial was spectacular. She wore a, a beautiful outfit of beaded shells, and her hair was done so. They brought her body out to the public, and that lasted two weeks. Number one, the plumbing started going crazy there, you know, burst this and that. And, and of course, lawsuits. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah That's yeah, the yeah, kicker. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. of course. And they wisely pulled it. So that's my answer to the question is, yeah, they're held. They're there. It, it's like the end of Indiana Jones in that place. You know, they have crates and crates and crates of these things unearthed in the 1800s. And they will stay there. Jeez, Louise. have you not a not to go on a side tangent? Did you ever end up watching that uh, movie about the the people that I love under Spider-Man. under the um was it as yes. above so yes. below? Yes, what a wonderful Absolutely. movie! That movie scared the ever loving shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, scared me too. I love it when that happens. That's well, that sort of that to me, like the way you described that and the way that movie was, is just like. That, to me, is what the descent to hell, if there yeah. is such a thing, yeah. has got to be like. <laughs> you know, it's just like going through years upon years upon years of history to something that you're just not, you're not going to be able to conceive of what this is. It's mostly all internal in your head. Yeah. Stuff fucking with you because of magnetic poles in the earth and all this. I would, I would love to see a movie that's just that. The, the descent from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I hope it bores the crap out of people. <laughs> well, that, that's what I think they were going for in that. Yeah. yeah. To, to be honest, because most of that stuff, I mean, it's, there's no real monsters or anything Let's like that. Let's go this way. We're going to walk do it. this way. Speaking, you know, I mentioned earlier, um, what was that documentary? Nightmare? 
The night. Yeah, the nightmare. So yeah, they, yeah. They, that, I was at. So I, I work for. Uh, I'm in the film business, just to put it generally. That was a big buzzword two years ago. Horror documentary. Do you oh. have a horror? You know, for South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for yeah, Sundance. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a horror documentary? Do you have a horror? And what was what was the movie that that really hit that? Was that that room? It was the nightmare. It was the nightmare. It, it wasn't was that nightmare. shining one. No, no, they, no, 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 no. That's that's considered. Well, that, it, it that's was all bullshit. Well, it was all bullshit. It's totally it bullshit. But and that. But the nightmare was the one that was spurring that in motion. Oh, I, I was at the meetings when uh, you got a horror documentary. Do you have a horror documentary? We need that because it's hot. That's weird. Because yeah. that? I guess I didn't realize that movie was even that big. But it was in the festivals and where people buyers go. Oh, I suppose. So it's sure. a Sundance. It was a big Sundance film. And the buzz at Canada, Toronto, and then South by Southwest. It's a big damn deal. But what intrigued me about it was, all right, it's like metal, you know? You put another word in front of metal and you have a new genre. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Like, what the hell is folk metal? Does that mean there's a bagpipe in it? I, I don't get that. <laughs> it, means, it means they use folk instruments and it's mostly, what? It, no, because that's Viking metal. I'm, there's so many different subgenres of folk metal, I don't know. What is that? I don't know. I guess I don't listen to that kind of I don't know, but whatever slash metal it is, there's only boys in the audience. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Now, the, uh, the, where was I going? I think, we, were we going down no, here? No, where no, were we going down no, here? Or no, no, no thought-wise, I was going to... You're talking about the nightmare. Oh, so what followed that in the horror. slash horror, art horror? The, the, Which has always been around. It's always been around. Yeah. It's day one. Absolutely. Nosferatu is art horror. Absolutely. But the film for that was that cannibal uh, family, uh, Mexico. In, set in Mexico. Oh, is it? Um, we are still here. No. That, well, but, but, the, but, like the, but the but the yeah. Mexican version because that was a yeah. remake of, of that right. movie. I forgot what it was yeah. called. That is the the impetus for that. You think so? I'm, no, I'm told this. I'm not. I don't really. Think, that's. I don't think so. Well, it's made by young. Can we mention Ty West? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, think I love him. Oh, you love Ty West. I think he's wonderful. Oh, never mind. You, why you're not a you fan? Did, no, I am because he's, he's. I thought you hated him. No, I'm a huge art horror fan. Okay, who from the thread did not like Ty West? Oh, everybody. Everybody teases oh. me all the time about it. Oh, I like Ty West because when you see a Ty West movie, you've known you've seen a Ty you West movie. You know it's movie. his movie. Yeah, he's got a style like Nicholas Winding Refn. You Absolutely. know his movie he immediately. He's a style. So does uh, Larry uh, Fessenden. Larry Fessenden. Throw throw a uh, title out. Um, Wendigo. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When was the last movie he made? It's been, that, been a while. Because that was like late 90s, wasn't I it? I know. But he's, he's been involved in uh, producing or something. Uh, he's an actor, too. But I have not seen an original work for him. Boy, Wendigo was something. I loved Wendigo. That was Had something. Had the kid from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Well, that is just one of those movies that was very, well, I hate saying this, but it's the truth. It was very Lynchian in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. But I love the budget. I love the budget. He got a lot out of that <laughs> oh, crappy yeah. little budget. He absolutely did. Which is another favorite subject of mine. <laughs> What can you do? You know, in, in, low budget. That's yeah. what's exciting. It's very exciting. It, it's why that's it's freedom. It means freedom. So down we go. Lovely uh, artwork of uh, concerts that have uh, graced nearby. 
Um, this is the, oh, this is, by the way, this original entrance to the building here. Looks like it. Yeah, okay. so in the 1930s, it was not uncommon for people to leave babies at the door mm -hmm. that they could not care right, for. Right. They'd be taken in here. So was this mostly, back in the, when it was a functioning monastery, was this mostly, mostly nuns? There were nuns here. Yeah. But it's an interesting history because it's a retreat slash monastery. Sure. So sometimes it's just a retreat with attendants. Other times it's a full functioning monastery mm -hmm. and they're living in the bedrooms. And there's another building out back too as well, closer to the river. Was it just another dormitory or what yeah. is it? Yeah. Down we go. All right, this looks familiar. Here we go. You're back. We're back. <laughs> We're, we're we recording. Business? We're All actually right. recording. Yeah. Bill mass produces uh, face casts and ships them all over the world. I've heard stories about his face cast rooms. Is this whole house a face cast room at this point? It could be. It could be. He, he, he dedicates one room, but the walls are solid face casts, mostly of horror actors uh, from 1928 to, let's say, right now. Yeah. He did Vincent Price himself. That's uh, the Vincent Price. Before, before Vincent yeah. died? Yes, he did, because he worked on a film with Vincent. So what has he been doing lately? I know... He has a store. It's on eBay. Oh, so he's doing the face casts and, and selling them? The face them. casts, and he has his own secret formula, lightweight but very durable, for shipping. And uh, he does, let's say, Iron Man fans in Saudi Arabia, they want Robert Downey. Sure. Yeah, he, he ships a lot of those. So where's he getting the, the casts? Like, how is he making, is he still? He trades for them. Okay. He, he collects them. And, but many of them he did himself. Okay. Um, we're talking about Bill Forsh, who is a Hollywood effects makeup man. Um, he was in the Hollywood. werewolf in Howling Four, Four. as Bull Forsh, not Bill Forsh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a oh, movie star he's slash effects makeup. The best artist. part of that movie, to be honest, the rest of that movie is. Oh, a Bill is brilliant. Yeah, he put a lifetime of study and learning into that role. Oh my gosh! And, and deep love. Yeah. Of uh, watching horror movies late night here in North Northeast Wisconsin. T.J. and the Ant was his favorite show. That's T.J. and the All Night Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bill is the geekiest horror guy I know. 
He's the only uh, horror effects makeup artist who's worked with Eddie Murphy on one on one side, Eddie Murphy, uh, Vincent Price, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other side, a couple of Bill Rebane movies. <laughs> he did the one with Tiny Tim. Or Tiny oh, Blood Harvest. Blood Harvest, yes. yeah. And Laurie Minetti, the Wisconsin lottery girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising to me. I think it came up in the group, or maybe it was... Yes, it did. The, the giant spider invasion. Yeah. He always inevitably ends up coming up. The giant... I interviewed Bill Rebane in 19... I'm dating 1999. Chris Smith shot it. Yep. I me. saw that footage. I have, I actually, actually, I think I have that footage sitting in my closet right now. You have that? I, I have a whole box, Frank, of like, uh, I think it might have been converted over to beta and also to some, um, I'm trying to think what else. I know I have, somebody had given me at some point, because I remember Hanusa and I were, trying to come up with an angle to pitch for a pseudo-meta oh, Bill Rebane movie. that, yeah. Yep, yeah. and I, I think Chris was sitting on a bunch of stuff, or it was sitting at uh, Purple Onion. It was sitting at Purple Onion. And, and then it, it gravitated to me. And I, I, because American Movie hadn't come out yet. Right. Chris, that was a job. We just paid him to shoot it. So, you know, within months, he was the director of American movies. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. Uh, started a big commercial career. I was a director of that. That's my footage. And I shot all the Bolex B-roll as well. Do you want me to bring that box? I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, I, it's it's a for years, it's a horrible interview. It's awful. Well, Bill he's Rebain not... just has grudges. People he can sue. And well, especially at this point in his life, he's just angry about everything. But that was quite a while ago. That was... Well, yeah, 1999, that's... Some of the people in the group were little children. <laughs> There's, he was he was so angry at Herschel Gordon-Lewis. Oh, for Monster Agogo? Monster Agogo. Yeah. And I believe I Or Tear at High Noon or whatever, what was it? Well, that's... Or Midday. Midday. Tear at no, no, Midday. No. Terror. <laughs> now you made me forget. Terror at Half Noon? Half Noon, that's what it what is. Was it? Yeah. It's some cockamamie it's title crazy. like that. It's, the, it's just the worst title. And that's right, where, where he says, and then I made a film. It's called Terror at Half Noon. What? Yeah. Terror at Half Noon. What? We had uh, Herschel on uh, Astro Radio Z years ago, obviously before he died. And Did you I, bring up Rebane? Rebane came up because Corey was so involved with Bill Rebane all the way to the, he knew him. So he had talked to all these stories uh, to Bill Rebane for years because he knew a guy that was trying to make another documentary about Rebane. Many have tried. For year, for at least 10 years, this guy's well, been trying to make a documentary, but he brought it up to uh, Herschel, and Herschel told him the whole story, just laid it all out there. And he was, it was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Herschel's just like, yeah, just an awful title. And I just came up with Monster Agogo. And Bill Rebane would just hate brilliant it. Brilliant title. Yeah. Monster uh, a Agogo. wonderful title. Wonderful title. Still a horrible One film. One of the greatest. Does that even matter? <laughs> if you got a great title, it, it, it breathes over onto oh, the Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the whole something weird video catalog is yes, great titles with no movies. yeah. But Bill Rebane, and let this be a warning for any of you out there, folks, who want to make a Bill Rebane documentary, Bill will sue you. That's the bottom line. There's that Rebane style where you set up one big wide shot and the actors enter 
as if they're in a stage play. You mean and the, the Andy Milligan style? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why I have yet to make it through a whole Andy Milligan movie. It's, it's impossible. And it's what Doom remains the worst filmmaker ever, right? I mean, by consensus? I Well, I will always say that Andy Milligan trumps him in every but way. That, his eccentricity makes him more interesting. Like, his movies yeah. are stranger, but they are so fucking boring that I cannot for I can't make it more than 15 minutes into any of those things. And I've seen whole Bill Rabane movies. So he's got that on him. <laughs> You've actually made it all the way through the end. Not the Alpha incident. How about the how about Capture Bigfoot? Three quarters. That's Rana. Good. I've watched all of Rana. You watched all of Rana? Oh yeah. I used to have a big box that's, that's VHS the, of that. That stars the Shopco lady. Remember her? <laughs> yes. We'd see her on TV every night here. She's all dolled up. She's a Shopco lady, but also the star of Rana. Oh my God. Frank, if you had those VHS of Bill Rubain stuff from back in the day. You will make money off of those because hipster cats swallow that stuff up. I took all my Bill Rubane stuff that I did have on VHS, sold that Cinema Wasteland immediately. Didn't last more than a day. Really? Absolutely. I, I have trouble. Ed Wood, right, who's supposedly awful but is actually a great editor. If you watch his cuts, they're rhythmic. He's got rhythm. And he holds my interest to the end because – the absurdity plus his rhythmic editing. He's the only guy I know ever, ever, uh, a so-called bad filmmaker, who left in a shot of a, of a uh, tombstone toppling, a cardboard he didn't tombstone. Care. No, he scored it. He hit it with a <laughs> big right orchestral hit. He gave it a sting. Now that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I, I love Ed's sound and editing work, but Bill Rebane's so damn, it's boring. Well, like you said, it yeah. just... Set up a camera and have people walk, walk into in. it and do something. Well, here's the kicker. They walk out. Yeah. Th that's the mind boggler to me. I, I, I'm stunned every time. Going to wait for them to walk out. Takes like 30 seconds for someone to walk out of a scene sometimes. Monster a go-go. Yeah, absolutely. And have you seen the twist film he, d he did before that? Oh. Made um, a ton of money on that. Before Monster Go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't believe I ever saw that one. I, I It's a short, and it played in movie theaters. Maybe that's on that same something weird. Crazy new dance, the twist. Oh, my gosh. He just shot it in the nightclub, and it's just a band mm -hmm. and people twisting. That's all. But because it was right on top of the craze. People actually would pay yeah. attention and watch that thing. As um, the giant spider invasion, the last great drive-in release ever. And I know drive-ins. I was uh, I was a young I was a teenager in the '70s, and I went to drive-ins. I saw Chainsaw Massacre opening night at the Big Sky Drive-in in Madison, Wisconsin. That I loved Count Yorga Vampire. I remember oh. all of that, and I remember Rebane's film as being, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Why is this even up there? And did they always play it as? Was that like a B, the B picture, yeah, or sure, what? Sure, yeah. sure. And I'm the nephew of a great B picture maker, who <laughs> in the mid '60s who made uh, uh, he made a, a, a feature noir called the, the Desert Raven, a crime picture, and I have nothing but endless memorabilia and B picture lineup billings of that movie, but that was Rebane's deal. But for some reason, I don't know what that film, Giant Spider Invasion, grossed. $36 million for the distributor. 
36 million in drive-in bucks. So that was just roadshow to drive-ins. That's right, exclusively. Right, as an A feature. An A feature. Was it was it based on that title alone in the in the poster that sold it? I mean, what? Yes. Absolutely. And the poster gives kind of you know it it's very, It's an actually it's not that bad of a it's poster. Not, not that bad of a poster, and it looks like it's fun and funny, sure. and you're, yeah. you're going to go out there and get drunk or whatever. Well, it's at the, it was at that time of, was it past of, like, them in oh, those sure. kind of movies? Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was what, like, in the early, 50s. in the mid-50s? Yeah, yeah. Late 50s? Yeah. And it, it makes filmmakers like us probably cry because that's the end of one of the greatest B markets the world has ever known, lucrative and profitable, if you're careful. Bill Rabane wasn't careful. He sold the rights for not much. And the distributor made all that money. Oh, yeah. And for a brief while, if you look in Variety magazine, the weekly grosses in The Hollywood Reporter, Jaws, number one, Giant Spider Invasion, number six. It's crazy. But it gave him the opportunity to make many, many, many more right. <laughs> films in the late 70s and early 80s. To, to make his great studio in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. And, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've I, heard I so have, many stories. I have the original tapes of the song, Capture a Bigfoot. <laughs> it's recorded two blocks from my house. No one gives a shit. <laughs> no one. Because yeah, nobody can make it through the movie. Yeah. And it, it, the, the song is hilarious. It's a plea. A yeah. plea for our understanding of the plight of, of Bigfoot. Of the Bigfoot, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And it's think, touching. Well, yeah, we and I, I do believe we should be more sensitive. <laughs> well, that's the times we live in now, Frank. We need to be sensitive we of everyone, especially Big Feetsman. <laughs> especially them. What was that monster in Monster a Go-Go? What was the monster? <sighs> trying to remember, because half, half of that movie, all I remember is people dancing. I'm trying to remember. Was it kind of like a, a Frankensteinish type it, monster? Like it was a weird throw together. I know. Yeah, that. I don't. That movie. By the way, Bill Forsh, who we talked about earlier, yeah. the great, great effects man, gave gave Rebane production value. No, his his work is is yeah. always first class. Yeah, and he gave him production value. Bill, who by the way. Uh, um, did the uh, uh, Ghostbusters 2, the big uh, Michelin man? Right. Yeah, that's yeah. Bill was part of that team. And who captured Eddie Murphy with a face cast on and made him talk to me. Talk uh, to you personally? Talk to me. Eddie yeah. didn't want to talk to me. He didn't know who the hell I was. Right, right, and, right, right. But we talked because Bill had him captive under a wet face mask <laughs> with two straws in his nose <laughs> and in an empty cavity over his mouth. He's going, whoa, 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 whoa. By the way, they filmed in this room uh, for the making of uh, Ghostbusters 2, the documentary. This room? And, yeah, Bill Bill Force was interviewed in this room. Was he a part yeah. of this enclave at some point? No, he just came down here. The room was, I said. It was they, open. I said they could come here and film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, did they recently like two, do a re-release or something? Two, two young filmmakers from England came over. They're Ghostbusters fanatics. Oh, okay. And they did they did the documentary. That's on the Blu-ray or whatever that I, was released. I don't know. I believe so. Okay. Because it seems oddly uh, like 
weird that now they would be talking to anybody about Ghostbusters too, other than if they were doing some re-release. They were on their it. way to, to Los Angeles to see the premiere of the, the fem- new female cast. Okay, one. sure. Okay, yeah, well that makes tanked, sense then. Which tanked when you know they arrived. The, the climax of their film, I think, w- would take place during the premiere of uh, the new Ghostbusters film. Yeah, they hate that. And and when I had reps, they wanted me to be so specific. Well, I direct live action. I've done work for, uh, I've done a lot of Coca-Cola commercials and uh, Turner Classic Movies breaks, yep. things like that. Uh, I haven't did, you remember the Noggin Network mm-hmm. for little kids? Yeah, I, I yeah, did, yeah, I did yeah. a lot of their breaks. And Was that all that, uh, that kind of cut arty? Um, animation or what was what it wasn't was that? cut it, because I know because well, obviously it, I have little kids and I've I've well it brings up how they want to box me how they wanted to box me it was Shadowmation right oh I remember when I first met you you were showing me when we walked down to the basement of Purple Onion you had your whole setups of yeah um, that's yeah. right yeah Sh- shadow figures yeah 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 shadow figures oh it all comes around but they wanted me Frank. There's a call I get from Chicago. What do you think of this? You're the shadow guy. Right. Yeah, well, I didn't like it at all. I, I of course this, not. Yeah, and, and then I started to look at my stuff on the reel, and I thought, I, I think I am the shadow guy. There's <laughs> shadows in all of these things. Right, 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 and right. I better stop doing that, or I'm, uh, you know, it's going to be a shorter career than right. I thought. absolutely. And they're all short careers. You, you only have a few years. I'm, what we're talking about now is... What I did was uh, national commercial work or uh, TV ID network, da, 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 da. It's short. It's really short. And it's fatty, and you get three years, and that's it. And when three years ended, it just fell off like a rock off the edge of the flat earth, falling into a void. It just ended in one day. And then what? Had to reinvent myself, so I had to pick something I did. Um, uh, Music. So I composed a lot of uh, uh, scores, uh, mainly uh, commercials, etc. Not jingles. <laughs> mm. I, I never wrote a word in my life, but uh, my thing was orchestral scores. That was my thing, and I was lucky to be here in Appleton, where you can you can scare up a fifteen-piece or thirty-piece for nothing of excellent yeah, conservatory well, players. We have that Lawrence school, University right School here. of Music, yeah, one absolutely. of the best. And you can scare them up, and you, or for cheap, you got them. Boom, you have a real orchestral score, not a synth score. Right? Isn't that fun? How synth scores have come back? The '80s synth score, that sound. You mean the Carpenter sound, right? No, <laughs> quote unquote. I'm going forward. I, I, <laughs> the gods of the universe sound. The 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 Georgia Marauder. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the yeah, Vangelis, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, totally. The people who wear capes when they play. That's genius. That is genius. You gotta have a shtick. You got. You know, I should have been oh, the shadow a guy. Absolutely, I should have been the shadow guy, and I should have lived up to. Well, it. you can always come back. Right? You can always come back. <laughs> we want the shadow guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe, maybe that's your alter ego. You know what everybody did in in back then to get ahead? They changed their names. My name is so. It's pretty ordinary. Yeah. It's just Frank Anderson. Whoa. 
that's pretty hard. You have Bob Smith. Right, 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 right. I was up against people who were uh, directors who were, you know, previously they were Michael Gelson. And all of a sudden they're Michelangelo something or other, uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, Padrewski. I remember one person took his grandfather's name, you know. Yeah. Uh, Miklos Padrewski. Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Get the fuck out Can of you here. do that with a straight face? I can't do nope. that with a straight face. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but. You changed uh, your name? No, 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 no. But, the, well, <laughs> this is going to go in a weird place. Uh, Udler and I, for the longest time, before we made Hole in the Wall, we were trying to figure out an angle of how to work together. And we were going to, I think it was, we were road showing, going to conventions with, with movies. And on one of the long rides back, um, him and my bud Blade and Eric Ars now that you know, we all were just sitting, we were just spitballing stuff. And at some point we decided we wanted to make a shot on video um, horror movie. We decided that the only way that we could really get away with this is that we had to go under aliases. And we were going to be Czechoslovakian art filmmakers that only shot on VHS. <laughs> and we were going to, That's pretty good. And we were going to wear That's wigs good. and we were going to have the whole get up. You've and, got to sell it and you've got to live it all the way through. It's the only way. Yeah. I, th- I, I It came up the other night when uh, Eric and I went and saw Goblin uh, do the score for Suspiria. Oh, ours now? Yeah. Eric ours now? Yeah. Oh, wow. We went down. It was last Friday night. They played at the Oriental. Really? Yeah. Mark Burchart did the did the Q&A with Claudio Simonetti. Do you know Mark Borchard? Mark Borchard. Borchard. <laughs> Mark, That's his gimmick. Mark Borchard. Borchard. Mark Borchard. Borchard. Give me a fuck. Anyway, <laughs> Mark Borchard and I lectured together at the Milwaukee Art Museum, the, the Calatrava building, that beautiful thing down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On German Expressionist Horror Cinema. Last year, last year at this time. How'd that go? It was hilarious. Yeah? Yeah. I couldn't stop talking. I, I, I mean, I, I do know a lot about it. It's, it's yeah. one of my, a lot of shadows. There's a lot yeah, of shadows. Tons in that of stuff. shadows in that Nothing stuff. but shadows. But I loved it because yeah. from a technical angle, I, I could go on and on and on how they shot each thing. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, my thing really is gimmicks, how to shoot uh, in real time, not using any digital effects, through glass, across uh, uh, contrasting filters, et cetera, et cetera, to create a deep, deep, deep scene. I'm setting up one here, by the way. You can kind of, I yeah. just got started. Those are uh, trees, paper mache trees. But that's going to be a very deep swamp, shot of a swamp, uh, with reflective water and stars up above. Are you going to, like, set up a little mini dolly and just? That's all I do. That's my thing, man. It's long dolly right down the line. Slow. Slow, long dolly. Everything I do, slow, long dolly. Give you that nice parallax with all yeah, the different that's all, things. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. A lot of wide-angle lens, always. And uh, uh, a lot of stuff coming up very close to the lens. I love that. But uh, th- that where was I? You were, you were talking oh, about you we, and we gave Mark a lecture, a German yeah, expression. Yeah. So he came to my lecture and took notes. And I thought that, that was, you know, because he, he is trying to divorce himself from what he had been previously, which is... Mark from Mark and Mike of American Movie. Well, I can understand Two why he guys from that. Milwaukee. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to make a horror film. Yeah, and uh, uh, he he is now wants to be taken seriously, and he has great knowledge. Well, of he does horror Absolutely. cinema, yeah. cinema in general, not just horror cinema. He, he's he's a 
He's a thoroughly, thoroughly grounded guy in that area. And he's great. He's funny. But I don't think he's going to be that, hey, man, come out guy with a, you know, on stage with a Paps Blue Ribbon in one hand. Right. Or did he? Uh, he kind of shticked it up a little bit. Oh. It was a little sticky, but it wasn't too much. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think he was a little awestruck because, I mean, Claudio Simonetti yeah, is sitting there. That's huge. So, yeah. but um, at the same time, he's been in some really wonderful movies over the last. Mark? Yeah. There, have you ever seen this movie called The Hagsville Demon? No. That sounds like a Rebane title. Oh, I think that's what it was called. It was a, bl- a black and white one that was shot probably. Three, four years well, ago. I, I keep seeing Mark. Every time I turn he on. He was great in it. Oh, he, he's good. He was really good in it. Did he invent screaming horror where all the actors just scream at each other all the time? Oh, that's John Waters. Is that really? John Waters right? had to, or Doris Wishman. Either of those two had to have invented that. And, and Corey that. Udler kept it going. To an extent, I'd to suppose. An extent. I, I think so I suppose, did. yeah. Udler. Udler kept it going. <laughs> yeah, he's no longer Corey. He's going to love that. Yeah. Well, let's, from now on, he's Udler. Okay? He's Udler. He's nobody now. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to even be involved with anything. He's divorced himself from everything. He'll be back. Udler will return. Well, I I, I cross my fingers because every last person that we hung around with and did the movies with, every time I see them, I'm like, so when's Corey making another movie? I'm like, don't hold your breath. Udler has a unique style. Yeah, but the last couple movies killed him, and now well, he's the well, type physically, of physically, physically because. It does. It does. Well, the people took it, a lot of people took advantage of him. Well, of course, that's going to happen. Yeah. But anybody who's made a feature film, yep. anyone, it drains the hell out of you, especially mm-hmm. when it's low budget and you're doing everyday yeah. thing. It, it, it kills you. It yep. kills you. And uh, I saw what what Udler put into his films, and he yeah. put a lot. Of he was everything. His, everything. He, he literally did everything. everything. He could. Udler. He's a great VO artist as well. He's got a wonderful voice. Wonderful voice. Yeah. Is he using it now? He does. He still does uh, radio spot work all the time. His new thing, he, the thing is with him. Udler, is, we're talking about yeah, you. Yeah, Udler. He won't ever hear this. He'll never listen to this. <laughs> so we can say whatever the fuck we want, and he's never going to hear this. <laughs> Too bad about. I'll even, I could tag him on this. I could throw him a file. Well, he will not fucking listen Was it 18 Below when you, I, and Udler went to that crappy little bar on Outagamie Street? Yeah, down the street from where I used yeah, to live. Yeah, to see the Packers play. Get demolished. Get demolished, yeah. Yeah, God, that was real cold that day. It was hard. Yeah. And Udler had some... He picked up some heavy metal magazines at your house or something like that? Oh, no. We had found, we had come across, I believe, what was it? A bunch of wrestling magazines. Ah, he was in heaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's his thing. Which which brings me to um, the point of what I was going to say is that um, he's the kind of cat that once something's done, it's done, and he moves on. He doesn't come back around to it. I see. He finds the next thing. So well, that's pretty cool. His his new thing, which is funny because it goes round full circle. When I before I met him, he grew up in Altoona, Wisconsin, which is right outside of Eau Claire. Oh yeah. Which is fifteen miles away from where I and we are basically the same age, Udler and I, uh, the Udler. Um, how we never ran into each other because we went to the same places, went to the same concerts, did all the same stuff never ran into each other it's mind-boggling years later we end up meeting each other anyways he ran um he was in wrestling underground independent wrestling at that point 
and was being a manager for years, just a heel. What's everybody's dream? His, he, he loves Bobby Heenan. So that was his whole thing. He laughed at my Bobby Heenan story. Oh, he loves Heenan. You know how many hours I've had to sit with him watching Bobby Heenan stuff? <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, so he moves out to the East Coast now with his wife and his daughter, and he's back in doing wrestling promotions. Oh, he's that, doing. He's not attending those. He's doing. No, those? he is. He's running a heel manager gimmick. Excellent. And he's wonderful. He'll be back. He's great. He'll be back. I saw him last year in Chippewa Falls. At a little VFW hall, <laughs> run his angle, and it the, it was the best part of the night. It was easily the best part. I had my girls there, and I'm just like, you can call him every name in the book. You can yell and scream at him. You know, his mom is sitting right next to me. His daughter is right there. It was wonderful. It was a great night. He's great. It, I think that's his calling, to be honest. He's such a wrestling mark. The Udler is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a wonderful man. What's the first horror film you ever saw? First one I ever saw? Yeah. Todd Browning's Dracula, probably. How? My dad. Uh, TV? I think a VH. No, no. Yeah, it had to be TV. Not Super 8 film? No. No, 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 no. I remember we had, because uh, I was, <clears throat> we were in the suburbs of uh, Chicago, and I was young. My dad was obsessed with uh, Universal Horror movies. Excellent. So I would, that's probably where it all started was Todd Browning's Dracula. To this day, probably the most watched horror movie yeah. of mine is that one. I still, to this day, love it. I absolutely love it. I'll argue with anyone about that. Yeah. I love the pace, the slowness, like a dream, mm -hmm. like White Zombie. The lack a of a score. Total lack. That is so creepy. Perfect. Yeah. No, it, it's atmosphere. Absolute atmosphere. And people come at you trying to say, well, the Spanish production that yeah, coincided, had, it's better. It's wait, got better camera it's moves. So it's so much got, better. He had fangs. Oh, big deal. But they don't have Bela Lugosi. They don't have, that's it. <laughs> that's it. They can move that camera all they want, but Todd Browning's restraint or uh, inebriation, whatever it was, yeah, right, 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 right. lent it its timeless quality. It's lovely. I have it back there on Super 8. I used to collect films when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, they're all back there. So you can string it up and, and project well, it Well, my Super 8 projector had a minor mishap recently, <laughs> fell off the table while projecting Son of Frankenstein. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a disaster. I've got a, I don't have splicing equipment for this anymore. I can't put it back together. Oh, man. My first film was in the Philippines. We, we lived so far out, you'd, a traveling projectionist would come by and you'd book some films. So uh, my first film I ever saw was Machiste contra los vampiros. Machiste against the vampires. Oh. And it, I believe here in America it would be like Hercules against the mm -hmm. vampires mm -hmm. or something like that. But that's the first one I saw. And uh, Mario Bava, I believe. That's old Hercules in the, in the haunted world? Is that renamed? Renamed. Machi Machiste contra los. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It played that's different right. in every. That's what I thought you were. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. In every market, in every oh, market. That's a wonderful like that. movie. And then um, my brother had a birthday party, and then you always booked the projectionist for birthday parties. Then. <laughs> and no TV. I had no TV. Right. I didn't know what TV was, and uh, I hid under the projectionist table before, like hours before he showed the film, and just 
stone silent because I was determined to see a movie I wasn't allowed to see and I was six and it was Brides of Dracula. And, Interesting. And as I looked out from under the table, there's uh, Frida, Jack, what, the, the first flash of fangs and that scared, I, I went back in and closed the, the tablecloth because it was so frightening. Brides of Dracula is so vivid. Yeah, absolutely. Colorful. Yeah. But he booked a double feature so I was stuck under there. What yeah. was what was the B picture? It's weirdest film to this day, the most frightening weird film I've ever seen. Uh, uh, Village of the Damned. Oh, okay, with yeah. Those little weird kids yeah. with their blonde hair. Yeah, I've been afraid of blonde haired people ever since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you know, I, I agree with you on this. But where where we lived, there weren't any white. We were the white people. You know, I was born there, and and. I wasn't used to it. So uh, age, whatever, 11, 12, something like that. Come to Wisconsin, my parents' state, right? Go to a Badger game. Go to a Badger game. There's like 40,000 yeah, white. Yeah, exactly, it was screaming. Frightening. And they had red pants, and they had white shoes, and they were, they, I, well, anyway. Very adverse reactions to color. Yes. <laughs> 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 but, but I fell in love with the place and was completely repulsed by it at the same time. It was just too much of a culture shock. Uh, yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. But then we go through that, uh, uh, here, here, I guess you do it in fourth grade, Wisconsin history. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't get that. Uh, so I did it on my own. And I go, what a fucked up place. Weird this place. This is weird. And the first book I read is Wisconsin Death Trip. Yeah. The famous, famous Wisconsin, good movie too, by the way, Wisconsin Death Trip. God, the diary of failure and madness and so many foreign people arriving in one place at one time and setting up their, their distinct communities, yeah. which we have, no other state has this. You can drive from Milwaukee to here, you'll drive through a Luxembourgian town a German state town, yeah. a Belgian town, yeah. a Czech town, a Slovenian town. And it's still that way to this day, too. To this day. Yeah. And my Very own, so. my adopted hometown, everybody's fucking Norwegian. And they want you to know it. <laughs> and I, to me, a Norwegian was a ship captain who came in our island in the Philippines. That's what they were. There was those guys always on ships. And all of a sudden, you are you kidding me? You've been here a hundred years and you still speak Norwegian. They still speak Norwegian and they're talking about Yulekaka and Krummakaka, all this, to, you know, kaka, where I'm from, kaka means shit. It means shit, <laughs> kaka de vaka. Yeah, and here they're making treats called Yulekaka, Christmas cake. Yep, it was cake, yep, I guess, yep, in Norwegian. Yep, yep. But that shocked me that Europe picked up its bags, moved here. Nowhere else. They moved here and dropped the map of pre-World War I Europe on top of Wisconsin. And what came with that was all of their weird beliefs and, and witchcraft. In many cases, um, the town of Center, Wisconsin, was a center of a huge case of uh, wizardry and witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? In, in, in uh, early 1900s, uh, a man named John Dalkey was accused by his neighbors of uh, poisoning, of casting spells on their cows. All the cows in town were dying except his. Therefore, what, was it like a, a vendetta or something? Or what was the reason well, he was doing this? Well, here's the funny part. 
he admitted that, yes, he was very intimate with the Dark Lord, but <laughs> he did not cause the death of their cows. But he cast his spells on them. Uh, he, he says he didn't. He says he didn't. But he's very good at those arts. He can do it, but he didn't do it. And these, these people were all from one town in Mecklenburg, Germany. They're Mecklenburg Germans. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Dalkey's wife dies, and his neighbors start dying. Now it's serious. The neighbors are going to lynch him. Yeah. You know, he's a witch. He's a warlock, an admitted one. And they start printing his name in the papers, being the warlock who's casting, who's killing members of his family. And he's still denying it all. However, he is on good terms with the Dark Lord, but he didn't do this. So what a weird angle to take. This is so weird. He calls a lawyer from right here in Appleton because he he needs lawyer help now. And well, the subsequent case. But he has but he has power dark art powers. He can't use those. No, to he fix, no. He, he, fix well, it? he picks the darkest art of all. He gets a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I don't think I don't think the evil one can do that. These he has a horrible man-made contracts and uh, libel. Libel. Does 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 Satan do libel? I don't think so. And and he, actually, he wouldn't want to kill any more people. He'd already wiped out the the entire the entire bovine herd of Center Wisconsin, and now he's killing members of his family. So anyway, it comes down to he said, she said, and the lawyer sorts it out for him. And he walks away scot-free. And moves to Appleton and joins a Catholic church here. Ah, what a big shocker there. But still maintains, if he needs to, he can call on oh. the hooved one. Well, you always <laughs> got to have that in your back pocket. Yeah. And he said he learned everything from his grandmother in Germany. <sighs> but it's so weird. This state is endlessly fascinating. Its weirdness knows no bounds. So, so we were talking earlier about, you know... The, 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 uh, by the way, that's the Rock Lake Sea Monster right there. We also have more uh, sea, lake, lake serpents than any other state. Rock Lake, the lake with, of course, uh, a necropolis at the bottom. It's a flooded valley that's an ancient necropolis, pyramidal shapes at the bottom of that lake. Are there, are there photos of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Never seen this. Silt has covered most of the bottom in the last, because of development. Sure, sure. But early descriptions of it, you could see all the way to the bottom. And it, well, it's called Rock Lake mm -hmm. because of the rock structures down there. And some lunatic came up with a theory of uh, ancient Europeans coming here. Uh, and he wrote a book called Atlantis in Wisconsin. But that book I've heard has of that book, since yes. been determined. It was who he... Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, well, he's also a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. He's got to be. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you're not a warlock, you're yeah, a Nazi You're a Nazi. Here. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we have those uh, Sig Heil saluting uh, uh, high school kids this past Oh, week? I saw oh, that terrible. bullshit. I saw that oh, horse shit. Oh, man. What the hell? Who let that, who let that get out there? Were there any adults in the room? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. How do you how do you allow something like that? I don't care how conservative you are. You got to realize that that's just that's a bad scene. That's a man. bad scene. Yeah, it's a real bad scene. Like, especially at that age, all of those people, yeah. all those kids. Yeah. Come on now. Well, well, a few 
withheld their salute. And right behind you is uh, the king of truck, American truck driving music, uh, Dave Dudley from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, with a wrecked uh, semi behind him. All his songs are tragic tales of uh, truck driving and some exuberant tales of truck driving. As I was, I was talking to, uh, you, you know, when young, I'm giving my age away again, young people, people I call young people, <laughs> who love the decoration here, um, uh, when they come here, um, who's that? Yeah. I go, that's the king of truck driving music. What's truck driving music? Well, it really was a long time ago. It, it's something that existed from 62 to, that's a long time ago, 78. So, so what would you liken it to? Is it is it more kind of uh, honky tonkish or what is? It's 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 a branch of country music. Sure, and it's just tales of truckers. Sure, and yeah. it, it yielded us the most god awful song ever, uh, Teddy Bear. You remember that one at all? Not off the top. Of How my about head, no. CB Savage? You know that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Obviously, this is not my my forte. Well, our very own Dave Dudley, whose real name is Daniel Darwin Padrushka from Stevens Point, is the king of truck driving music. <laughs> Eastern town from Boston to St. Louis. There's some that I don't even know, but I'm looking forward to cause I like my women everywhere I go. So roll on big wheels, don't you roll so slow. Peggy Ann is waiting in Memphis and Betty Lou in Maine. I got a good old gal in Knoxville, but man, I forgot her name, but not her figure. I remember that. Yeah, I'm a kiss-stealing, a wheeling-dealing, a drug-driving son of a gun. Flying low, making up his time But from where I sit, I don't believe you'd say I'm wasting mine I'm moving faster than a Jimmy 8 If you think I'm losing time, you're running late I got a steady little baby waiting back home for me there are six more towns to go till I'm back in Tennessee And six more women, at least I know Yeah, I'm a kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing A drug-driving son of a gun Speaking of really strange, obscure music last night, we were... We've been doing this thing in the group where I've been doing these group views on on Rabbit.com where you can do you can yeah, get a bunch. Yeah, I of saw people. that. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, my friend that I um, edited her movie uh, Manos Returns, the sequel to Man Manos Hands of Fate. I know. I, uh, uh, Tanya Atomic. Tanya Atomic. Wonderful. We were we were talking and she dropped out of nowhere 
Miss Miller. Oh my do you god. Do you do you remember do this? I ever. Oh, I had never heard this before and I, it I, went down a rabbit hole I, like I, I had I, never I, I enjoy all of her posts postings they're fascinating and she's uh, multi-layered and multi you know she she's a wonderful a individual huge area and uh yeah i know mrs it's mrs miller by the way mrs miller that's correct yeah she was a uh a 55 year old matronly rather large yeah um conservative looking woman yeah. in mid 60s who would do her version of the top pop songs of the day and she was on a show called Where the Action Is, hosted by <laughs> Paul Revere and the Raiders. Yeah. And later, the Robs from Milwaukee. And she would often be seated in an amusement park singing the song in a ride. So she'd be singing down, do you know the song Downtown? Yeah, yep. that was her Clark. big hit, right? That was her big hit. Well, she's on a swing set singing that song. So you picture this very conservatively dressed matronly woman Big smile on her face, swinging on a swing set, singing downtown in a soprano, operatic almost, you know, yeah. a warbly voice. Yeah, oh, very. Yeah, and she had her thing, and it lasted like six months. So we were of the mind as we were listening to this, because I had never heard it before. It seemed the way, because there was the only live footage of her are some of these TV appearances right. that were she, she was on, and they played it off like she was a joke act. Was she a joke act, though? Because she had a full contract with did. Capitol Records, I believe. Yes, she did. Uh, to who was she a joke act? I mean, I, to her, I don't think she well, I don't. Well, I 100% yeah. don't think she did. She, she wasn't in on the joke. But the joke way act. they were playing her out was she, like she was a joke act. She was a novelty. How about yeah. that? So where did... I, I, I remember seeing this. The story was fascinating me last night as I was yeah, digging yeah. into it. It's just like... How was it a matter of her coming into money to to be able to record all this stuff? Did she have a band? Like, no, how did this no, happen? She was spotted. She was spotted. It, it it. She's one of a long series of such of similar figures. Meryl Streep was in a movie about a woman who had a lot of money and bought her way into performing grand opera. Right, 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 I don't know if you saw that one. Mm -hmm. But it, she's just that, but it's the 60s, so it's even more incongruous. Right. Uh, people are younger, the music's younger, and, and it's just that, that's what creates great art, opposites, always, conflict. She's walking, talking conflict. She's the very antithesis of all that is happening in the 1960s with youth culture. I mean, looking back on it, you can say that. But at the time, she was funny. It was funny. Um, this idea of somebody that's uh, that's moved on in time, but her, her brain's still caught in one very specific place. She had a song on one of her records called The Renaissance of Smut. Wow. That when I heard, I looked at this, it was, it's because it, Back then, you know, the record covers had all the song titles on it and had some. You really dug into this. Oh, Frank, when I get when something hits me, it's just like Mrs. Miller hit you. See, it works. It was weird. I just didn't know what it was. It was just so weird. The music wasn't all that great, but I was just like, this is fascinating. Keen holes, death watch. Everybody knows what's what. All join in committing sin. In the renaissance of smut 
restaurant business has improved since the tops have been removed no one really disapproved in the renaissance of smut charlie's sister went to jail for sending pictures through the mail random house has water tail for the renaissance of smut once the kids read jack and jill nursery rhymes and buffalo for bill now the memorable i remember her very clearly i remember every ride she was on every time she sang it was something to see yeah and there's a million groups back then as many as there are today everybody had a band i don't remember half of them yeah but you remember that i remember mrs miller this is a showbiz lesson what a weird it's about the gimmicks it's it always about, the, about gimmicks. the gimmicks i remember the count five because they wore capes and they the count five but what do people get down on artists for? Like nowadays, the big thing is, like, uh, let's take for example, there's that band out there, Ghost. Yeah. That's really big. Oh, but they're not serious music. It's just a gimmick. That's bullshit. It's like bullshit. It's all gimmick. We are all in show business. Nobody's a poet. Fuck you. You're not a poet. You're in show business. Yep, exactly. We are all in poet. We all of us. Show business. That's all there is to it. And what does show business ask of you? To be memorable. Yeah, exactly. To open big and close big. And don't worry about that middle crap. Yep. Don't worry about it at all. All the vaudeville sayings, are they're all true. If you can't please that audience in front of you, figure out how. That's all there is to it. And a lot of these films we love, they come out of the box pleasing that audience. Mm -hmm. And... What's the film I mentioned earlier? <laughs> Which uh, is... M Mummy, Desert. Oh, the, the, party, the party bus to hell? Yeah, party bus, party bus to hell. All you had to say was how it started. I was hooked. Wouldn't you like to ride in my beautiful balloon? Would you like to glide in my beautiful Float among the stars together, you and I. Oh, 
Which brings up another subject. Uh, all those god-awful horror films on Netflix. Terrible. Shocking. Just shocking. Uh, and, and Hulu and who's the other one? Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Who we deal with. And <laughs> they're, they're just... I have a big question. I still... I ask everybody this. We're, who's financing this? Who's paying this out? And they're... They, they all seem to be $2 million movies. You, are you talking about the stuff that they create themselves? I'm talking about every movie that received a three-star, two, three, or three-and-a-half-star rating. I'm talking about middling shit. Stuff oh, yeah. that's unimaginative. Not, just derivative stuff. Just derivative stuff, mm -hmm. not daring, no passion, none. Mm -hmm. I always pull out my passion meter. You can tell. You know, we, everybody in our group can tell if the filmmaker has passion. Right. And this is all passionless. This is just phone it in, phone it in. And it's 90% of their catalogs. More, much more. It's, and it's getting worse. To, well, I don't think... I think they're just shuffling feet at this point. They're just creating content to have content out there. And replacing and keeping it going around the treadmill. I, uh, for well, a while there... It's killing horror. It's killing horror more, more than certain members of our group wanting to have 365 <laughs> days a year, which would really kill horror because the group's too goddamn smart. They know too much. And after 365 days of everybody's horror knowledge, we're shot. Well, Frank, they, they start bring, uh, they, it only took them 10 days to start bringing RoboCop into the, into the group. That's right. That's another Venom RoboCop. Venom, Venom and RoboCop. I saw both of those movies. Now I had to I had to work an angle. That's oh, why everyone Derek. got so pissed off at me at the title of the last episode because I put Derek hates RoboCop as the title of the episode, <laughs> just as a total work. Because I knew people. By the by the way, speaking of a gimmick, did we decide if RoboCop is not, not? Come on, okay. Frank. What? I'm, I'm speaking. No, no, I'm I'm speaking to you right now. Nobody else is out there. I'm speaking to you. What do you think? It's not. Of course, it's not. You're a grown man. Boy, you can see. You can see for your own I. two. You can see for your own two eyes. Of course, it's yeah, not. Yeah, Venom. No, no. You didn't see that, did you? I, of course not. <laughs> That's one of those sit in the middle movies that I, I don't like. Sit in the middle. It was a it was a five dollar movie night. I went and saw it. Yeah, movies only mean anything to me if uh, they're at the extreme end. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, because that extreme end implies passion. People. There's love. There's love on the low end and love on the high end. Or there's something interesting, at least, going on. Well, at least five minutes. Please give me five minutes. Those middle, middling movies, they have a lot of uh, stolen, uh, adopted uh, style. You know, I, I'm, I want this shot to look like Kubrick. I want this shot to look like... Uh, I want this look. I want, and, and a lot of uh, cinematographers working out their chops, getting started. Mm -hmm. A lot of that. But who wants to watch that? I don't want to watch that. I, get bored I know very what they're quickly. doing, and I don't want to watch that. Well, I, what I don't get is why do they think now in the culture of we can basically determine when we come and go in movies, we're not tied to a chair yeah. in a theater anymore, or we're sitting at home. Under the projectionist click, table. Click. The, you know, the, yeah. I'm giving you 10 minutes to wow me, and if you don't wow me in 10 minutes, I'm moving on to something oh, else. Oh, not even 10. 
why do seen, they? Have you seen what, what's that art art horror? What's that art horror film? The the thing in the house. The please help me out there. The thing in the house who looks like the pretty thing who lives. In oh, the, the ASMR, the horror movie. That's by um, Anthony Perkins' son directed that. I'm the pretty thing that lives I'm in the, the house. Pretty thing that, good title. He also did the Black Coat's Daughter. Another good title. Yep. Supposedly that's a good movie. I watched The Pretty Thing in the House, and I thought that was one of the boringest things I've ever seen in my whole life. It was stunningly boring. It was beautifully shot. They all are. They all are. Well, it's because all the cameras are just wonderful now. (laughs) But anyways. Try shooting beauty with that. Describe that. That is an old film (laughs) camera. That is a hand crank Hollywood production camera. Mitchell, 35 millimeter, hand crank because I could shoot during my commercial career. I shot single frame with that, and I didn't need a motor. I just turned one crank, you get one frame. And that is a, uh, I believe, 1930, yeah, 1930s vintage. And the sticks are from 1920s. But everything was so heavy in those days. And I came in at the end of the everything is heavy days. Yeah. The tail end, just the very end. I came in into my career when if you had a reel, it really was a reel. It was a reel of 16 millimeter film. That you carried around. You had one of them. That was my first year. And then all of a sudden we had U-Matic tape, three quarter Mm -hmm. inch tape. And that was your reel. But everything was heavy. So whenever I think of Ed Wood, I think of Ed Wood being... Someone who had to fight so many things, the least of which, not the least of which, was everything so damned heavy and expensive. Young filmmakers today, if they're not cranking stuff out, they should be ashamed of themselves. Frank, we have 4K cameras in our pockets. In, our, in your in, pocket? In my pocket. Yeah. Exactly. That what? have. Damn it, why aren't we making a film right, right now? Right now, We're Frank. in a monastery. <laughs> And, and and half of it's under construction. There's, there's a wheelchair. Yeah, in the I was hall. just gonna say we have a dolly upstairs. We have a wheelchair. There's there's an albino snake in the building, <laughs> and we we're not making a movie. This is pathetic. Instead, we're we're down here talking, complaining about uh, bullshit in, horror movies. In 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 a room whose walls are covered with monsters. Fred Gwynn, Herman Munster's right over there. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Lon Chaney from uh, Junior. From one of the Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, There's man. skulls in here. What the hell's wrong with us? Well, too busy talking. Yeah, I guess so. It happens. <laughs> there's such a, there, should, there should be horror police. There are. It's called the gatekeepers. It's called all the fans now. The insufferable fans that do nothing but... But they're insufferable. I mean, real police. You know, uniforms and everything. <laughs> and, and, and so, what is, so what's the angle? What do they do when they encounter a bad movie? What do they do? Oh, they're online and they're jamming the signal. <laughs> Netflix can't broadcast certain. They're secretive. It's a secretive organization. <laughs> so it's the Illuminati. But they got, but they got uniforms because you have to have uniforms. You can't have a great organization without uniforms. Of course. Yeah. What yeah. What is the uniform? What does it look like? I I, I haven't figured that out. Well, it's got to be black. Of course, it's got to be all black. I I want to say it's got to be shaved heads. Okay, this is starting to sound like the Ku Klux Klan. No, no. No pointy thing. No pointy thing. Okay. No. No, they got to look like a a proper policeman's Will they have 
horns. In the badge. The badge has horns. The badge has okay. horns. Okay. All right. A triangle with horns. And they have capes. <laughs> red capes. No, red, black capes with red, red inside. In on the there inside. you go. Yeah. And a medallion. Of course, a huge medallion. A huge medallion. Is it a pentagram? A Count Yorga sized medallion. There you go. A Simon King of the Witches sized. <laughs> you know that one? Yes. <laughs> medallion. <laughs> In fact, they look like Simon. I decided they have hair like Simon. Oh, King my gosh. This is getting weirder and weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. All right. And they wear Italian shoes. The nicest Italian shoes. Beetle boots. Cuban heels. <laughs> I can't wait to join. Oh, my God. We're all going to join. <laughs> what do they drink, though? Campari. <laughs> this is oddly specific. Like everything about it, it, it you have to. The only way you get in is there's got to be a certain handshake. There's got to be a certain drink. It's Campari and popcorn. <laughs> it's got to be the high and the low. It's got to be everything. And I love it. Finally, the bartender said, "Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold," and I said, "What?" He goes, why are you throwing that buddy out the damn bar? I says, you dumb son of a bitch, I'm getting ready for the Royal Rumble. If you're going to go on the hunt, you got to be able to run with the big boys. If he can't run with the big boys, he should get out. He shouldn't come out here. I'm telling you like it is, baby. The way they ran the business was the shits.